and uh, Andrew's visiting us from Fort Collins. Been gone this summer. How's it going at Fort Collins, Andrew? Good? All right. Helen is back too. Okay, that's right. I saw Helen this morning. Thank you. Helen Marshall is back. We have some very hardy folk in this church, and thank God for that. We're going to take it a bit of a departure this morning. We've been going through the armor of God, studying Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, the essential armor that each of us need as a Christian in order to stand firm against the attacks of the enemy. The enemy, Satan, is defeated. Jesus defeated Satan at the cross. The Bible makes that very clear. However, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 tells us that the enemy, Satan, goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. In other words, he's going to use the tools at his command in order to try to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You see, that's what Satan's tactics and goals are. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said the enemy or the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have that life more abundantly. So Satan comes to steal from us. To take away that which is rightfully ours through inheritance. To ultimately kill. And to kill is to separate. Death is separation. Either separation from our physical body or in a spiritual sense, separation from God. And then finally, Satan comes to destroy. To make wreckage of everything good that God has done. And so this morning, we're going to be taking a look at the family and spiritual warfare as regards the family. There are three institutions that God established. In the Garden of Eden, He established the family. That is the foundational institution. Adam and Eve together. He told them to be fruitful and multiply. The whole earth was theirs. We'll talk more about that story in a moment. So God established the family. God also established human government. In Genesis chapter 9, God told Noah that if man sheds another man's blood, then by man shall his blood be shed. The concept of human government, government over one another. Up until that point, up until the point after the flood and the receding of the waters, that was not the case. But God established human government. And Paul reaffirmed that in Romans chapter 13. When we studied Romans 13, we saw that. That all authority comes from God and is given by God. Even authority that we don't necessarily agree with or align ourselves with. It has been given by God. Because ultimately, God is the final authority. And then finally, we saw the establishment of the church in Acts chapter 2. 
when the mighty rushing wind came in and tongues of fire came upon the apostles and they all spoke with other tongues and began to praise God, there was the establishment of the church on the day of Pentecost. So three institutions that God established. But the most foundational, the most foundational is the family. Satan attacks all of those institutions. But the most foundational is the family because as the family falls apart, so falls apart human government. So falls apart the church. As the family is strengthened and held intact, so is strengthened government and the church. So we're going to be talking here this morning about the family and about spiritual warfare that occurs within the family. Remembering John chapter 10. What does the thief come to do? Steal, kill, and to destroy. So let's turn our Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. This is, of course, this... The story of the creation, we we read about it also in Genesis chapter 1, but it's a more specific accounting in Genesis chapter 2. And we're going to begin reading in verse 18. Verse 18 of Genesis chapter 2. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, up to this point, this is the sixth day. Up to this point, everything else God had done. After he had done it, he made the statement, it is good. But here, we read something different, don't we? We read that God said, it is not good for man to be alone. So I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all of the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother, and he's united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So God, in His establishment of the family, was making it good. The family is a gift. Now, some of you have come out of families where you might not agree with that statement. But it remains true. The family is a gift from God. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 15, we read that, From every family in heaven and on earth derives its name from the Father. So, 
every family that is in heaven or on the earth derives its name from the heavenly Father. So the family is a gift. It's a reflection of the fellowship that exists within the Trinity. Family was in God's mind from the very beginning. And so our families are a gift to us. The families that we grew up in, the families that we are raising, they are a gift from God. You must understand that. It's a blessing for us to exist within a family. And it was a blessing here. Look at what happens in the family. First, in verse 23, we see that there is unity. Adam says, This now is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. She was the helper suitable for him. No other creation was a helper suitable for him. Because no other creation came out of the side of man. There was unity within the coupling of Adam and Eve. So within the family, there is unity as God intends it to be. There is also order within the family. In Ephesians chapter 5, we read that there is order. Wives are to submit themselves to their husbands, and husbands are to love their wives. And beyond that, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul gives us another example of the uh, order that comes in creation where he says, I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ and the head of woman is man and the head of Christ is God. So there's order within the family. The man is responsible for the family. He is accountable for the family doesn't mean that he's better than the woman, but it means that there is order established by God. Even Christ, it says there in 1 Corinthians 11, is subject to the Father. Jesus said, I always do those things that please my Father. There's nothing wrong inherently with submission. In fact, as Christians, we are all to submit one to another. But within the family unit, there is an order created by God that exists to keep the family integrity intact. So there is order within the family. The man is responsible. He is accountable to love the wife. The wife is accountable to submit to the husband. Ultimately, they're responsible to submit one to another. So there is unity. There is order. And then back in Genesis 1, we see that there is blessing. It says in verse 27 of chapter 1, God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So within the family, as God intends it, there is unity, There is order, and there is blessing. Now, every now and then, our families reflect that, don't they? You can can say amen to that, can't you? Every now and then, in the family, there's unity. Every now and then, in the family, there is order. Every now and then, in the family, there is blessing. But a lot of times, that's not the case. Why is that? 
Why is it the case that our families so often are disrupted, so often are confused, so often don't align with God's intention? It's because the family is the target of spiritual attack, incessant, frequent, never-ending spiritual attack from the enemy. You must understand that. The wedding day is a beautiful day. The bride in her gown, the rings exchanged. It's a wonderful day. But at that very moment, a spiritual battle ensues because Satan is working to do what? To steal from them, to take from them that which they have been given. To separate them, to kill, and ultimately to destroy So, we have an enemy. We've been talking about that. We've identified the enemy. Our battle is not with flesh and blood. It is with powers and principalities, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. And in the battle against the family, it is no different. There is an enemy trying to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that's what happened in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, we see Satan attacking the family. The serpent, it said, came to the woman. Now, why do you suppose the serpent addressed the woman? Any thoughts on that? There's a reason. Do you remember the order that God created? Who was responsible for, accountable for the family? Adam. Did the serpent address Adam? No. He addressed the woman. So right off the bat, Satan is attacking God's order. And he begins using his master tool, deception. And deception with regards to challenge of the Word of God. Has God indeed said that you shall eat of no tree within the garden? Or every tree within the garden? And Eve said, we can eat from any tree except for the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. From that tree we are not able to eat or even to touch. So Satan begins begins his work of deception, challenging God's word, challenging God's order, attacking it. To steal, to rob from them. Because remember in Genesis 1.27, what had God given them? The whole earth. There was bounty. There was abundance. There was dominion for them. And he was taking that away from them because once they ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were cast out of the garden. And thorns inflicted their work. The blessing was stolen from them. They were separated from God. So Satan was able to steal from mankind, from the first family. Satan Satan was able to kill or to separate them from God. And ever since then, he's been attempting to destroy the family. But he hasn't been able to do that. The family still exists. And the family still grows. And the family still is blessed. 
And you all here this morning have been a part of a family. All of us come from a family or we are growing a family. And so Satan is attacking. Now it says in Psalm 11, verse 3, that if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So we've got to stand in defense of our families, church. We've got to stand in the defense of the foundation of the family because you know what? If the foundation of the family crumbles, so then crumbles the church. Now, it's not to say that God cannot take from that rubble and build up something wonderful and beautiful. But you all know that when we give in to the enemy, when we listen to his deception, when we follow the path that the serpent suggests, that those foundations begin to crumble. We've experienced it. But we've also experienced the power and the blessing and the glory of God in recovering us from our sin, from our fallen state. And that's what I want to emphasize here this morning. I want to emphasize the fact that even though Satan attacks the family, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We do not have to listen to that roaring lion. We can rebuke the devourer. We can say to Satan, be gone, Satan. I have authority over you in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to give you five things that you can do in the family to help defend your family from Satan and from his attacks. First and foremost, lift up the name of Jesus in your home. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all the world unto me. And of course, he was speaking of his crucifixion, but he was also speaking in terms of praise. And worship. The psalmist wrote that the Lord dwells within the praises of his people. So, within the home, if we want to create a home wherein the Spirit of God is welcome and dwells, we need to lift up the name of Jesus. Don't just come to church on Sunday morning to praise Jesus. Parents, teach your children how to lift up the name of Jesus in the home. Let them observe you. Lifting up the name of Jesus in your home. Speak of Jesus regularly, routinely, just like it's a breathing part of your life. Don't separate the spiritual and the secular. Don't allow your home to become devoid of the name of Jesus. A place where your children never hear about the gospel. In your bulletins on the back page is a quote from Henry Drummond that I have always found to be absolutely true. That the family circle is the best conductor of true Christianity. That's where it happens. That's where the seeds get planted. So lift up the name of Jesus in your home. Secondly, create an environment in your home where the Holy Spirit is welcome. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 speak to us of the fruit of the Spirit. But what is the preeminent fruit of the Spirit? Thank you. Love. Create an environment of love that welcomes the Holy Spirit in. The Holy Spirit is the part of the Godhead, the deity that dwells within us, Paul wrote. He's the down payment, the earnest that God has given to us. 
He is the paraclete, the the helper that comes alongside to help us in times of need. We need to invite the Holy Spirit into our homes to strengthen us and to defend us and to make the home a nurturing place, a fertile field for growth. Third, Psalm 127 says that children are a gift of the Lord. They are a heritage from God. All too often, I see one of two extremes with regards to parenting. I see the parent who hovers over their child and never allows them to grow and become independent and become themselves. The other side of of that is the parent who is abusive and harsh and distant from their child. Children are a gift, but specifically they are a gift to us from God so that we can raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. They are a wonderful blessing in our lives. They're not a problem. They're not an anchor. They are something to be enjoyed and to be nurtured. So enjoy your children. Understand your role as a parent is to raise them up in the way that they should go. And when they are old, the writer of Proverbs said, they will not depart from it. Fourth, bring your kids to church. Bring your family to church. Now, the church is not perfect. Absolutely true. The church is full of problems. But you know what? Iron sharpens iron. We come together as people with problems and we get to help one another. We get to exercise our muscles and grow with one another. And as Christy was pointing out with the King's kids, help each other to become what God intends us to be. If we isolate ourselves from the church, that spiritual nurturing, that spiritual growth is not going to occur the way it should. God intends for us to come together as believers and to not forsake our assembling together. We pray for one another. We love one another. We encourage one another. Spur one another to love and good works, it says in Hebrews. We've got to keep coming together. Now, Sometimes Satan will try to separate you from the crowd. That's what happened as the Israelites were going through the wilderness. The Amalekites, who were a type of the flesh, the Amalekites would follow along after the nation of Israel. And you know what they would do? They would attack the stragglers, the one who got separated from the body of the nation. And that's what happens so often. People say, you know what? The church is full of problems. You know what? The church is not supporting me. You know what? I'm not receiving what I need from the church. I'm just going to stay at home. And Satan says, all right. So bring yourself, bring your children to church, number four. Number five. And this one probably is as important as any. Keep... Maintain, defend the order of God in the home. Ephesians 5, what I just spoke about earlier. And I'm just going to speak about the first part of that, Ephesians 5. Husbands, 
love your wives as Christ loved the church. And I'm only going to speak about that because that's who I am. I'm a husband. It's my job to wash my wife with the water of the Word. You see, when Eve was being deceived by Adam, if you read that text carefully, you know what you're going to find? Adam was standing right next to her. What? What, what was he doing? He knew the, the commandment just as well as Eve did. He was the accountable one. He was the responsible one. That's why sin descends through the man. That's why we have a virgin birth. Adam did not wash his wife with the water of the Word. Men, we have to love our wives as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? First, He loved the church unconditionally. No prerequisites. Why we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.9 There was no condition set. He loved us unconditionally. Second, He loved us selflessly. Philippians chapter 2 Christ emptied Himself of all of His prerogative as God. Everything that He could have done as God, He emptied Himself and depended upon the Father so that He could become like us, even to the point of death upon a cross. So He emptied Himself. He was selfless in His love for us. And of course, His love for us was sacrificial. He gave Himself for us on our behalf. He laid down His life so that we might live. John 15, verse 13. No greater love has any man than this, than he lay down his life for his friend. So husbands, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you this morning to love your wives as Christ loved the church. Unconditionally, selflessly and sacrificially. Because if you do that, you will provide the best defense your family can possibly hope for against the enemy. Because you will be demonstrating the love of Christ. In 1992, I think it was 1992, I went to an event in Boulder, Colorado called Promise Keepers. And it was, for me, a life-changing event. 50,000 guys in Folsom Field. Praising God. Learning about the Word of God. And there was an, a moment in that. Of course, most of you know uh, that the... Turn this one off. Yeah. Most of you know that Bill McCartney, the coach of the Colorado Buffaloes football team, was the one who got Promise Keeper started. And he was running the event, and it was powerful. 
And there was a moment in the event where he gave the same challenge to the men in that stadium that I'm giving to you this morning, men, to love your wives. And he brought his wife up on stage and knelt before her and promised to love her as Christ loved her. And I remember that as vividly as if it was yesterday. It was so powerful to me watching that. And then right after that, he lit a candle. And from that candle, ultimately, because everyone in the stadium had a candle, the entire stadium was illuminated. Of course, the message being to transfer that one to another. On Tuesday, I hope I can get through this. On Tuesday, my wife and I are going to celebrate 31 years of marriage. And um, while I have not always loved her as Christ loved the church, um, I have tried to do my best to love her. And I'm not going to ask her to come up on stage. I'm not going to kneel before her, but I am going to sing a song I've been working on for 31 years. I could never hope to find the words that describe what you mean to me. But in this song, I'll try. I'll try to search inside myself Examine all those changes made Since I first saw your smile Hasn't been easy But I wouldn't change a thing since I gave you that ring I, 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 I love you And the greatest thing that I could hope is you love me too We'll walk this road together Standing heart to heart I, 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 I love you I was just a lonely boy Living in his lonely world When you came and filled my days and nights You shared your faith and your sense of home And when the battle lines were drawn I still knew I could trust your love With you near I've learned that I can stand and conquer my fear I, 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 I love you 
And the greatest thing that I could hope is you love me too. We'll walk this road together, standing heart to heart. I, 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 I love you. Every day we must learn the way to renew our love. Only then can we begin to hold on to this precious love. In the passing of our lives, as our day draws to its end, the evening comes, the sunlight fades. In the midst of all that's past, through the shadows of the setting sun, by your side I will stay. Like little children will turn and face the sun hand in hand as one. I, 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 I love you. And the greatest thing that I could hope is you love me too. We'll walk this road together, standing heart to heart. I, 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 I love. I, 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 I love. I, 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 I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you for indulging me, allowing me to celebrate that moment with my wife. But husbands, I want to challenge you. That was me demonstrating in front of all of you how much I love that woman. And how I want to wash her with the water of the Word. And let everyone know, Satan included, that she's covered. I challenge you men here this morning. Find that place of love for your spouse where she knows that she's protected that she knows that it's no secret that you love her and that you will defend her with your very life heavenly father we thank you for your word that teaches us for your spirit that indwells us and helps us to carry out the promises of scripture Give us strength, Lord. We need it. In this day, there is a great challenge to the family. Satan 
is at work. But you are greater, Lord. You are able to accomplish those things that concern us. And so bless the families in this fellowship. The husbands, the wives, the fathers, the mothers, the brothers and the sisters, the sons and the daughters. Strengthen us in the very love of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and uh, stand. We're going to sing hymn 577, God of Grace and God of Glory, verses 1, 2, and 4. <laughs>